Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose from Minnesota, and this is a special edition of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. Today's episode, I had the pleasure of being on the Three Cops Talk podcast show, talking about my background, about struggles facing law enforcement, and about our fallen hero stories. It was really a fun show to be a part of. This is a show about cops, and it's told by cops. And they also take a hard look at a lot of law enforcement issues that are really important to everyone in this country today. So it was fun, great show, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Hope you guys enjoy. It's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Three Cops Talk. This is one of your hosts, Sean, and as usual, I'm here with Uncle Chris. What's up, Captain? And Big Sergeant Scott. Hello, Sean. Sorry. Hello, Sean. Hi, Sean. 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 Hi. Hi. He's, he's even in the South uh, Carolina. It's still Sean. 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 It's like, uh, It'll change got, someday. Like, It'll this change is the great someday. thing about America is that when you listen to English and there's so many different dialects and twangs and everything else to it, it's really kind of wild. But like now with all this mass migration going on in the country, it's like really weird. You come down here, pulled up to a guy the other day and... He didn't realize that I could read his throat license plate, and I knew he was from New York. But he opened the window, so I him, "You ain't from around these parts, are you?" And he's like, yeah. "Did you How walk- could you tell?" I go, "I looked at your license plate. So I'm from Jersey." So like, oh, and then we were like, "Did you walk up to the window?" I woke up to Long the window. Island. He's from Long, Long Island. Island. I asked the guy if you wanted some water. But are you looking good. for the I mean, water out of the window? It's instantly bonded. Chicago. Chicago. I put it in my bag. Hey, I need. Park the car over by the air. I'm glad we completely have gotten off the rails. Right. I know. What, are, what are we doing here? What do we got going? Serious. But this is what happens when guys get together. Cops get together. You know, we talk about this a lot. Like uh, when police officers they get together, uh, we could obviously be comfortable with each other and talk about things that any cop from anywhere, maybe even the world, you can kind of start relating to, them, even if it's language barriers and things like that, because of the things that we see. But one of the things when we congregate, there's there's two times when we congregate. Generally. Maybe when somebody's promoted um, and comes into the profession. And then, unfortunately, the other time we all always get together is when somebody's left the profession. And I'm not talking about retirement so much as I am, obviously, the loss of police officers. And we're seeing that a lot more across the country as of late. And it's always a very solemn thing. It's like we will cut up about anything like we started in this show. You have to have that kind of humor to survive this work. But when you talk about us coming together, um, you know, it's like the super friends when something like that happens. You come to a, a, an officer's funeral and you see people from all over the all place. Over, I mean, yeah. the big three cities, you'll see them. They actually will send guys from Los Angeles to the Chicago area for funerals or NYPD will send people out. And then you get these random agencies. And you're like, where are you from? And they tell you they're from Maine or 
you know, out in Oregon and stuff like that. And it's just something we feel very strongly about as a profession. It's sad that that's really the only time we truly mm-hmm. ever get together in other conferences. And then, you know, conferences are usually three days and it takes cops about 48 hours to warm up to each other. And then <laughs> right. it's right. take off, man. It was great meeting you. See you, whatever. I'll never talk to you again. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just something that we, we feel pretty strongly about. And today's show is going to kind of concentrate on that a little bit. And we've got a guest that's going to be really good for us with that. But before we get into that, um, you guys got any thoughts on our inability to congregate effectively as a profession? Well, I think the only time, I mean, the, the only time we really congregated was, was in a, somebody's hot tub, but that's, we're not going to go into specific stories, but we congregated there right. uh, quite a few times. Um, but I mean, I just think it's like doing that because of COVID. Right. Yeah. Doesn't that hot water kill everything? That kills everything, right? Hot tubs kill COVID. Yeah. That's what it said on the side of the hot tub. I mean, what's this for? All done. No COVID. No vaccination needed. Possibly injection. Anyway. Um, And your wife's use of chlorine. Your wife's like very liberal use of chlorine. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. I just just think it's, I just think it's. We're joking because we really are saying. Right. I just think it's because it's just our type of personality. And, you know, we just, uh, it just takes us long to, to, you know, warm up to somebody. And, you know, when you're done, you kind of want to be done. And you you only want to see certain people, you know. And I think for cops, if, you know, you talk to two or three cops or maybe four or five and then outside the police profession, you know, I, you know, personally I have like, I don't know, three or four close friends that are outside the police profession, you know, cause I just, I just keep a tight circle. I just think it's most of our personalities that, you know, you think that, you know, maybe people don't understand what you do and you don't, and, and when you go there, everybody says, well, you know, come and arrest me or they just some stupid jokes and you're just like, yeah, I just, you know, you just don't want to deal with it. So I think you just keep your, your circles tight. Yeah. I mean, you, you go to, I mean, you go to training classes and everybody, I think we do, sometimes we do what we do with people just in general. We kind of size people up, like even cops from other departments. You're like, because you have maybe you hear an agency that somebody's from and you already have some kind of, you know, idea or notion about, you know, right. that agency or something like that, which, you know, you, you don't like to stereotype like that, but it's out there. But funny story to that, you know, when you're talking about like cops warming up to each other, I as you may know, I like cars and, and all things associated with cars. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I had a situation the other day, not Mobile a situation, <laughs> where I uh, was buying some car parts and it was from, it was through like, you know. A junkyard. These, what, no, <laughs> on the west side. <laughs> from, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It I'm was sorry. from one of these, you know, like, it was from one of these, at, you know, like uh, sales sites, like offer up or something like that. So I go to pick it up and I meet up with this guy and as we're talking, I noticed that he's got the, he's got the blue line, uh, you know, like the blue line rubber bracelet, like, like the same one that you got on that same one that, that, that same thing. He's got one of those yep. on, and he's got the standard police, you know, like the rubber, uh, uh, yeah, wedding ring. Yeah. So we're just talking and I said, Oh, Hey, are you a cop? And he does like, he almost literally did like the little backup and look at me like, <laughs> and I, and you could tell that he was looking at me like, why are you asking me that? You know what I mean? But you're, I mean, I know I'm guessing because I see what you got on. Right. So I go, and I instantly realized like that he was giving me that eyeball and I go, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm a cop too. And he's like, oh, all right. Then we were like, then we were instantly <laughs> friends. And then it was like, it was like, you know, it was like two dogs walking up to each other in the park and like, you know, and then they're looking at each other and it's like, all right, we're cool. And so we, and, and then, no and then sniffing abroad. <laughs> well, I'd say, I didn't want to say that hey, part. I caught do, myself yeah, there before that part. For car parts. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and so then we proceeded to have like 
probably a 30 minute conversation talking about police work and I'm getting blown up via the text, you know, from the missus like, what are you doing? Why are you still there? And I'm like, Hey, it turns out this guy's a cop. And she's like, Oh my God, you're going to be there all day. You know? And I'm like, Okay, all right, all right. right. We'll wrap up. We'll You're wrap talking up. about Ferris medals right. from right. Uh, catalytic converters <laughs> and say, right, right. Stuff. We're talking like, about he's never coming. We're off talking that. about police work and cars. I'm probably going to wind up sitting in a lawn chair on this guy's driveway for probably half the afternoon. So and you're going to have to. His junkyard dog. His junkyard dog had puppies, and he named the first puppy Sergeant Scott. Right? Is that what he did? Like, anyway. Oh my God. So anyway, anyway that's, let's, that's let's, my let's, that's we'll my get, story yeah. related to that. So it's right. pretty funny. All right, well, now that we got all this stupidity out of the way, right, we can right. probably get into some, some more, more somber stuff. Well, our guest today is uh, Sheriff Scott Rose, who's got 20-plus years of law enforcement experience in Minnesota. He's worked in a myriad of jobs uh, up in the, the, what is the state of a thousand lakes, I guess. A thousand. He was well, actually with, not with all the cops quitting, I thought they'd take some lakes with them. As you can tell, the good sheriff's got some sweet pipes. I mean, when you listen to this guy, I'd be like, God, I wish this guy was my sheriff. I'd do whatever he said. <laughs> whatever he said, I would right, do. Right, right, right. Come on, like the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, traffic and weather every seven minutes over the main channel. He has a background in broadcasting, which is kind of unique. We like to have folks that have come on the show that not only have law enforcement experience, but have some other practical experience in it. We talk about communication and how important it is in our world and, and things that we have. And, and, and Sheriff Rose is, is totally that, you know, when you think about it. Um, he's got a few different things that he does obviously he does the officer down memorial podcast which is one of the reasons we got him in the show it's some great content if you like to listen about stories particularly harrowing stories and stories of heroism and things like that his podcast is a great listen because it's straight out of the officer's mouths yeah. radio broadcasts yep. things along those lines and he memorializes officers through their friends families organizations calls calls that he you know can receive audio from um, and it's a great listen. So you should go over there again and listen to that Officer Down Memorial podcast. He's the host of that, and he's been doing that. He's going to tell us for quite some time, um, but his uh, he's got the same machine that Chris has with the sound effects. Yeah, but his is a little bit Except more like, you can tell he's got some kind of background. The like roadcaster. You know. He even said roadcaster road, better yeah. than the roadcaster. Like, <laughs> it like, sounds like the roadcaster commercial. So, right. Road. It sounds like roadhouse, but it's roadcaster. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I can go to that but, bar. You're like, no, it's not. Right. <laughs> but if you guys uh, listening to us, please give it up for uh, Sheriff Rose. He's a uh, we really appreciate the time that he's coming on here. He's going to talk about some really great, serious stuff for us. And um, we'd like to get into his career a little bit, how, what brought him to doing this, just like, you know, we've told people why we decided to do podcasting. And uh, like I said, sir, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on the show yeah, and uh, kind of yeah, covering welcome. a very serious topic that yeah. a lot of other people I think would be interested in hearing. Yeah, thanks, for so thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for yeah, coming. And thanks, thanks for thank, thank you for your mission. That's so yeah, if we could start out, tell us a little bit about your background in law enforcement and then like how you went from the broadcasting path yeah. into <laughs> how you uh, saying a backup you know, singer LA, for Elvis you know, to the most inept world for communication right. whatsoever is law enforcement. <laughs> so my wife married a DJ with long hair, dark glasses, beard, <laughs> earring, the whole nine yards, rock DJ, and then thirty years later she's married to the sheriff. <laughs> a, little, a little odd. It's the same guy though. It's the same guy. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting in the front seat now, none of the back. <laughs> Lots She's more like, this like isn't what I ordered. Yeah. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, um, so I, as a kid, I was always involved in music and uh, played in different bands and 
And uh, I still play in a couple bands today. But I, after school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. My dad was a cop. My dad was a cop and a teacher. And um, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, and, and of course, I was the typical cop's kid and teacher's kid. I was always in trouble in school and right. didn't pay a whole hell of a lot of attention to anything there. And, right. and uh, you know, after school, he's like, well, what are you going to do? And, and uh, when I told him that I thought that I was going to, I think I'm going to go into radio because I like music. I'm going to go into radio. He said, son, I think that's the perfect choice for you. Thinking <laughs> it's because of my my voice or my my, my quick wit or and I said no what dad why, why do you say that son you have the perfect face for radio <laughs> <laughs> thanks dad <laughs> I thought it was going to be something cool right now right, you took right. a podcast <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I know right right right, right. right. he uh so I, I went to radio I went um, I grew up in southeast Minnesota I grew up in the county that I, I work in now and uh after high school I went down to Phoenix and went to a broadcasting school in downtown Phoenix. I worked at the Mayo Clinic part-time and, and I went to school full-time down there for radio and uh, ended up specializing in audio production. That's always kind of been my forte. And I went from uh, uh, Phoenix to Nebraska, Nebraska to Kansas, back to Nebraska. And then I ended up coming back to a, a rock station here in Rochester, which is just about 15 minutes east of me. But all these radio stations that I worked at, I, it was always production. I was a production director. And... Uh, I did on air stuff too. And, and, and I, I, I also enjoyed that, but my, my love was always being in the studio, being in the production studio. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then I ended up, uh, I ended up <clears throat> getting out of that, getting out of, uh, uh, radio while I was here. And long story short, I ended up volunteering on the, what they call it back then. They called the sheriff's Well, they still do call it the sheriff's posse it used to be a mounted posse. So it's a volunteer, like a reserve group. Um, and we helped with security at events and parades yeah. and, and festivals and whatever. And that, and that's how I got started in 96. I started, uh, on the posse. My dad suggested it because I had horses. Um, my wife and I have, have had horses for years and he said, you know, if you want to do something with that, you know, why don't you try the posse? He was still, he was still one of the deputies there. And, uh, and I tried it. And, and one of the things that you had to do while you were on the posse, one of the requirements was you had to do one ride along a month with patrol. So, I did ride-alongs, I probably two or three ride-alongs, and I was like, okay, I love doing this. Um, yeah, this is cool. And uh, it was cool. And it was it was my home area, so I knew I knew the places, I knew the people. I could pick out uh, the, the, the good people, the not-so-good people. Um, I had uh, the one of the deputies that I, I rode along with. He also had a music background. He, he actually played professionally for a while before he was a cop. Huh. And uh, so we hit it off, and... Uh, one thing led to another. And in Minnesota, you have to have a college degree to be a cop. You can't get licensed without a degree. So the whole state, I right? ended up, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I ended up in my third, I was 30, 30, 31 when I went back to college and uh, I got my, uh, you can do a two year or four year degree, big agencies, bigger Metro agencies. They want to see that four year degree. Yeah. Um, but, but you, to get post licensed, you, you just need a two year degree here. So I got my two year degree and, uh, Ended up getting hired by the same agency my dad had just retired from, and that's cool. And I've been here hmm. ever since. So, did you get his badge or anything like that? Like did yeah, no, they, I, his locker? Cool, or anything I've got like no, 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 no. But I've got some cool stuff from him. He, uh, we lost him in 08 to diabetes, and uh, hear that. but he was uh, no, thank you. He was he was one. Fortunately for me, he was one of those cops that everybody loved. He was a teacher yeah. that everybody loved, and a cop that everybody loved. So um, it made made my getting into this a little bit easier. Although although it was somewhat uncomfortable for when I first got hired back in 2000, 
one, 2002, the, I was working with a lot of deputies that chased me around as a kid. <laughs> that had me in the backseat as a kid. <clears throat> so, so, I know a guy named Scott that had that right? same image. This <laughs> is not the same guy. So I, when I told my dad, when I told my dad, I was going Scots. from, I was going to go from, right, I was going to go from radio to being a cop. My dad was less enthusiastic. He was like, oh, uh, oh really? Well, is that what you want to do? Yeah, yeah right. Bro. What? I said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He says, well, you're the kid, you're the kid. I have three younger brothers. He said, you're the kid who spent most of the time in the backseat. Right, right. I said, well, well. I said, to, to be honest, dad, I've come full circle. I'm, I'm sitting in the front now. They even let me drive sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird. And it's we use your booking like, photo for your <laughs> department ID. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I know you. So, so a lot of the deputies that I started there with, they, they remembered me from being a kid. And they're like, oh, Jesus, why are we hiring this kid? And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, the what sheriff. great welcoming. Bill, to love him to death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, 112-1417. One, 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 what? <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> oh crap! Yeah. So, hey, yeah, but that's reluctantly, great. Yeah, they awesome. worked with. Them. So, but and do, then, you think, uh, do you think that background, that diverse background, how did it help you being an officer? Like a lot of times, like you can relate to a whole lot more people w- from behind the badge with that amount of experience, or you know, like hey, I know what it's like. You know, when you hang around musicians, everybody knows like musicians, you know, they smoke right. weed and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, you can kind of put things into perspective a little bit more. It's not like it's so foreign to you. It's like, you know, I'm I'm arresting people that are literally from another planet. Like you can say like you can kind of relate I mean, to it more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I did you know for me it was um uh I just I was comfortable. I was I was comfortable. It was in in my the area that I grew up in. So uh, a lot of people that I knew, a lot of, a lot of second generation families that I knew. And, uh, with my communications background, um, I got to, to where I was pretty good at communicating, pretty good at talking through things. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. I think that really helped along the way. Plus, like I said, it helped that my dad was well loved in the community and, and, uh, and very well known. So it was, um, it was a, it was a good transition for me and, and, uh, love the job. I, I absolutely love it. I, I miss, I try and pull road shifts when I can to help. Uh, especially night shifts. I miss night shifts. Mm. Um, right. so I'll go out at night. I'll put on the Browns. I'll put on my Brown uniform, my regular deputy collar brass. And I'm out there working for the sergeant and let he, he or she can tell me what they need me to do. And I'll go that's great help. though. That's, that's good awesome. leadership. That's good leadership. I love that's it. Good leadership. It. So obviously the sheriff's in an elected position. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. one thing that's different here in Minnesota too. It's nonpartisan. So we don't have to run on a party platform. So I don't have a party to answer to. Yeah, right. Oh, there you go. So nice. it's just that the people elect you based upon your record yep. and your reputation, exactly. like you said, your father and your background and things exactly. like that. And it's like, what, what kinds of what's the demographic of the the uh, county that? So know? we're a small county. We're four hundred and forty square miles. We're a bedroom community for the most part. Most of our our population is a bedroom community of Rochester, mm-hmm. which is the third largest city in the state. Right. Um, Rochester, one hundred and twenty, hundred twenty five thousand or something like that. There. Um, but we're, we're small. We're a 20, 21,000 in our County. Um, every kind of income level you can think of the, on the Rochester side, because it's all Mayo Clinic and IBM employees, mm-hmm. mostly Mayo Clinic, Mayo Clinic employees, mm-hmm. 36,000 employees. Wow. Um, so the, it's middle, upper middle income on the, on the East side of the County. Mm-hmm. And then it's more rural and farm and blue collar, um, to the, to the North, South and West. Over yeah. the last over the last few years, Sheriff, um, obviously, like we all felt the impact of what happened in Minneapolis with you know the 
Chauvin situation. How was it there being that close to it in Minnesota? Like, I mean, just, just, I mean, I didn't even know that we were going to get into this topic with you, but oh, it's fun. Well, it's any, if you can just keep talking, yeah. it'd be really <laughs> super cool because it's like a great voice for radio. Like, tell me a bad, tell me a bedtime story. <laughs> but it's no, like, but in a serious I, mean, I imagine like being that close to it. I mean, we like Chicago had its problems, but everybody did like even small towns, but I can't imagine being that close in the state of Minnesota for a lot of the things that were going on there. What was that like? So we, most of us in Southeast Minnesota in our, in our district, we sent deputies to help. Okay. You know, in, in Minnesota nation or as a statewide, we've got uh, somewhere around 9,000 between nine and 10,000 cops. And um, you know, it was all hands on deck up there. Mm-hmm. They needed all the help they could get. And uh, frustrating uh, frustrating for us, the, the, the way the media handled it, certainly the way the national media handled it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately for, for me in, in my County, in our small area, we're a, a very conservative County. Every, mm-hmm. every house representative and state representative, uh, from our County, they're all Republican. They're all mm-hmm. super law enforcement supportive. So in our, in our main area, we had no, we don't know protests. No, mm. we didn't have it. We didn't see anything like that. What the the worse it got in Minneapolis, the more food would be brought in, and the more oh, gifts yeah. would support be brought in. Right. And our guys, everybody's right. paying for our guys' meals, and right. and uh, right. you know just everybody saying thank you. But right. the 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 worry certainly was all of our guys helping up there. Right. You yeah. Know, the guys right. that are going up there to help, or uh, some of the bigger agencies around us, Rochester and Olmsted County to the east of us you know, they, they have a much bigger agency, so they'd send people up and, uh, you know, we'd go help there. Right. Um, just to kind of back their guys up there. Yeah. So we backed up our, our, uh, neighboring counties and, and, uh, it's stressful. You know, the, I, I talk a lot about PTSD and stress with the podcast right? Uh, because as you guys know, the job is stressful enough the way it is with, yep, absolutely. with the crap that we have to deal with. And then, uh, you know, and then I put this kind of stress on top of it. Um, it's tough it, it, yeah. it, and it's yeah. still tough for our, uh, for our staff. And, um, you know, we're not done with, we still got the Brooklyn center thing to get through and, right. um, right. you know, things, fortunately yeah. things have calmed down. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, there's an executive of an organization, the guy at the top, you're sending people off and you're not just worried about, you know, like the traditional worry was, are they going to be physically harmed? Are they going to be, you know, unfortunately killed or something like that. Now you got to worry about is the officer up there doing what he thought was right in a circumstance. And based upon the fact that he's in that area, you know, he could be indicted for something. And now I'm losing that. How is that impacting my agency? And then there's a general reluctance amongst your officers to say, well, yeah, I want to step up and help because cops would, I mean, the the hurricane that's coming through Louisiana right now, I remember last time was with Katrina, everybody was jumping on a chance to go down there and deal with that, you know, and help from across the country. And now you might see people going, ah, I don't know, man, who's in charge down there. Yeah. If I go down there and I have to do something or up there for right. you guys in that case, why would I want to do that? And, and as an executive, everybody wants to help, but in the same sense, you got to go, I got to protect these people. Right. You know? right. In, in Minnesota, the, the, we have 87 sheriffs. We have a really strong Minnesota sheriff's association. Our, our motto is no sheriff stands alone. Huh. And it, it's That's very good. true. And Hennepin County where, where Minneapolis is, um, the Hutch is the, the sheriff up there and, and, uh, he's just an incredible guy. And, and it's obvious it's the biggest County in the state with the biggest budget in the state. And he's one of those guys that they give their cell phone, personal cell phone to every sheriff. And all we need to do is make a phone call and they'll have an army coming down to help us. Oh, um, nice. And it doesn't matter where in the state, this yeah, is the great. first time that I ever remember that it's Hennepin County calling us saying we need, help. right. We need help. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, not right, used right, to that, right, right, yeah. you know, what? and, and, uh, and all the sheriffs were saying, okay, 
will help, but our guys aren't coming to work for Minneapolis PD. Right. 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 We need to be, we need to be under, under your, your guidance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Right. Because right. we're not right. going to do the, we're not going to put them in the same, why would we put them in the same situation as those guys are in? Right. Just, right. just not going to do it. And, um, and uh, Hutch said he had everybody come to work under him and, and uh, you know, we did what we needed to do. And, and uh, is that pretty yeah, easy to do up there as far as like interagency agreements and things like that? If you need to send really them good. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. especially with the sheriff's offices, the, sure. with the PDs, it's different because you got, you got too many chiefs, you know, it's not just the police chief, it's right. the mayor, it's right. the, yeah. you know, the right. city administrator. And right. city um, with the sheriff's here, we're independent elected. We don't answer to anybody. Yep. So that's great. Um, that's awesome. Streamlines really that process here. a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Something to think about for people listening to the show, like, hey, I'm making a decision about coming into the career. What would be the best organization to work for? That's something that you know, a lot of us wish we had knew before we started, like working for a sheriff. Your sheriff directly works for the people. Right. Uh, if you're a chief, you're appointed and you're working for elected officials and you could be the best chief in the world. But if you're working for an elected official that is, you know, being Doesn't guided like by certain right. factors that. Yeah. Right. That, that, and there's know, some chiefs that work be, for themselves. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. right. And historically you look at, you look at, look at Minneapolis, you look at uh, Seattle, you go Portland, you look at Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all, all the areas that we're hearing all these issues with law enforcement are areas that are elected or I'm sorry, appointed chiefs. Right. right. You know, so they're appointed right. by, they're appointed by the, the mayor the city council, um, the city administrator um, in Minneapolis, the mayor had full control of the police department during this incident with show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to change that now. I think that votes this week. They're just wanting to abolish. They're still wanting to get rid of the police department altogether and start all brand new. I don't know how they're going to get anybody to work there. Yeah. yeah. No. How do you make that? I mean, Hey, look, everybody should kind of look at the idea of like, Hey, there's a chance to maybe reform some things, but to Absolutely. completely scrap something right. and try to start over from scratch. Mm-hmm. Hey, you won't feel the effects of that for years, decades until right. you know whether this worked or not. And what will we lose or gain in the process? I don't know. I mean, I think we're, baby with the bathwater up there is what's going on in, in, in Minnesota. And like with the rest of the world, like Minnesota, like people were like, what, how did this happen in Minnesota? You know what I, I mean? Know. Like it was so far to us, but then all the news that you read about coming out of there is any periodical you read, it's like, it's literally, it's like off the rails. No, it's not right. like it's, everyone's just reacting to the the, the loudest screamers and there's no exactly. sense. So, right. Right. well, that all being said, you know, uh, it obviously, but I, but it doesn't, it doesn't inspired. always reverse. And we saw this with, we saw that was officer French. It doesn't happen the other way around, you know, and that's, and that's the unfortunate part right. about it. You know, that right. she, you know, right. she gives up the ultimate sacrifice and then you have, you know, you have these elected officials going, yeah, no, uh, we're not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah no, I we're know. not going to do nothing. You know, uh, know. and again, I'm not, I'm not justifying what happened in Minnesota. You know, I'm just, you know, I just, I've talked about this a million times before, just an even playing field, you know? Right. Right. That's all. You know, it's frustrating when you have, uh, um, leadership, whether it's at the the city level or the state level, uh, whether it's in the governor's office or in the house or the Senate and their armchair quarterbacking these cases well before there's any data out, well before right. we would ever release the evidence is right. Even right. Before yeah. there's any Still evidence out there, right. you know, and they're condemning the officer or they or they, they make some crass statement about, you know, we, well, we have another, another black male that was shot by an officer and we have to deal with that. And we, right. we want you to be patient with us. And well, you just convicted the guy yeah. just by your word. And we, we dealt with that all the time here. Right. It's terrible. Right. Right. Um, 
And in the same way in Chicago with Mayor Lightfoot and Ugh. all those there, it's terrible. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's creating a situation where more and more officers, like when you deal with the public and certain members of the public, they automatically just are being fed things that make us seem to be, like I've said before, like we're goblins to people. You know what I mean? Like we're just, right. we come there and it doesn't, you know, the things that they're accusing us of, they're doing to us. And like we've said before on this show, some of it's earned, some of it's issues, some of it's things, bad training and things like that. But the, by and large, you know, your um, podcast is probably getting more business than normal. I mean, the, the, the murder rates for police officers for this year alone is already exceeded what we've seen in the last few years. Every day you wake up and you see something new, obviously the most uh, recent one that was like of a national attention that we got because the big city of Chicago was Ella French. And you still see that out there in the news. Um, but you know, I, I think it's lost on people what goes into all of this. Like the, you know, they see the funeral, they see what happened, they're sad by it, and then they just move on. And I, I think in listening to some of your show, is it really great? Like, I don't care how many years you've been doing this. When you listen to those kind of calls, I mean, like the hair on your neck stands up Absolutely. when you're listening to it. Like you, and it doesn't matter what it is whether you know how it's going to turn out or not, whether you've seen the videos on YouTube and Facebook and all this other stuff, when you hear that radio traffic and the things that are going on, like throughout, you're like, oh, wow, this is just, it, it wakes things up in you as a cop. But also civilians could gain a lot by listening to that and hearing what was going on prior to the incident. So again, very rarely that comes out. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with that and why you decided, particularly as a sheriff, to kind of start pushing this stuff out to people? Yeah. In, it, it's, yeah. For lack of a better term, it's entertaining to listen to. The subject matter is a little, at times, very difficult. Solemn, yeah, right, but right. in listening to it, the, the entertainment value of it is like if you are into police things, right? Um, it is a great listen. Right. Thank you. The um, so I got involved in uh, in 2013. We lost a captain here to a heart attack. He was mm-hmm. 43 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Loring Gunther. He was uh, a mentor to all of us. He, he had been there 20 years, um, was had pretty much everybody on staff. He, he had trained them at one point or another. And uh, one of my best friends at work and, and, and died at 43. And he had just got home from work. It ended up being deemed a uh, uh, work-related death due to a, a, an acute. I, I, I was actually the investigator assigned to the case. And he died of a, uh, and he had an acute enlarged heart. The coroner told me it was due to acute daily stress. Mm-hmm. And the daily stress uh, in in our particular case didn't necessarily have to do with cases, although he had obviously worked some bad cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a bad administration. It right. was a, 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 an administration that that he always felt that. He had to protect his guys. He had, it was a, mm-hmm. an administration that felt that uh, they were, they, they believed in uh, a disciplinary based model versus, um, yeah, like communication. Know, versus, uh, <laughs> exactly. There was yeah. no communication back right. then. So, and, and they would go, they'd go after anybody that disagreed with him. You just couldn't do that. Right. And he spent his whole time trying to protect everybody from it. In addition to doing his job and being the number three guy in the agency and going on calls and, and, uh, and at some point he, stop talking about it and didn't want to talk about work. And, and he was actually the one that was going to run for sheriff in 2014, about three, four months later and uh, died of a heart attack. And I ended up, so I, I ended up being the one to run. Uh, Mike, Mike Leanhart was the chief deputy at the time. He had no interest in, in being sheriff. Um, he ended up getting fired by the same administration um, a month and a half later. 
so it tore our, tore our agency apart. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, I had, when, when Lauren died that night, a bunch of us were there because we, we all live pretty close and, and, uh, they're working on him and being there with his wife and, and, uh, canceling the helicopter, the helicopter landed, but then we, he just, we couldn't save him. And, and my first phone call, I, we, we actually had the, the sheriff walked off the property. The wife said, he's why Loring's gone. Hmm. I want him gone. Wow. Wow. So we had one of the patrol sergeants walk him off the property <laughs> and I called, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a scene, I, I bet. Yeah. I, I called Sheriff Kevin Torgerson, who's the sheriff in Olmstead County. Um, he's one of the original members of the Minnesota, uh, law enforcement Memorial association on the, on the honor guard. Um, he'd, he's been with it since it started. And, and I called him, I said, Kevin, I'm at Loring's house. He's gone. I don't know what to do. And the, and Lima took, he said, we, we got it covered. We got you covered. We'll take care of it. We'll help get, we'll, we'll help work you through every step. And, uh, and, uh, from that day on Lima came and took care of everything and, and, and really put together an incredible celebration of Loring's life to, uh, to an agency that was really hurting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, right, right. you know it wasn't just he wasn't you know he wasn't shot at a call he wasn't um you know it was it was it was deemed a line of duty death by the state of minnesota based on our circumstances mm-hmm. and lima came and just really did uh, just an amazing mm-hmm. amazing amazing ceremony for him mm-hmm. and that's what got my interest in lima yeah so it was after that i ran for the i ran to to uh, on the board and and i've been on the the board with them ever since and uh, working with survivor families, I'm also on the board with the uh, Law Enforcement Memorial Foundation of Southeast Minnesota, and I've got to—I had the chance to meet a lot of survivor families. We have four fallen officers from our county, including Loring, that that date all the way back to 1905. Oh, uh, yeah. Loring, Loring was one of my best friends. Um, the next one is uh, uh, Doug Clawson from 1999. I grew up with his kids. I grew up in his house. Um, the one before that was uh, uh, Chief Greg Lang from, from Claremont in 1988. And my dad and Greg were good friends. And my dad is actually on that podcast. Hmm. Um, you know, so I got, there's, there's got ties. I got ties. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so for me um, and, and with my personality, I want to, I want to do everything I can to help. And I want to see, you know, what can we do to help these survivor families? So in COVID last year, um, I've had this studio in here for, uh, since 2005 or 2006 or something like that. And, uh, so I've been doing voiceover work on the side forever and, um, but everything slowed down during COVID and, uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, what I'm doing at work and I'm looking at the, the law enforcement memorial stuff. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to share these stories. Having known a lot of these officers, these fallen officers and their families and having worked with them, I just know there's so much more to the story than the, the little paragraph you read on the state memorial site, right. you know, right. or right. on, uh, or on ODMP or on the, the national site. Um, and I, and I, and I get why it's a, you know, it's an abbreviated, just a, a basic explanation of what happened to the officer, but there's so much more, there's so much more to tell. And, um, and so, so many more together, people out thought, there across well, the country that are going through the same thing too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So why not? So when I talked to this, when I talked to a few people that I have, have that are friends, that are still on radio or they're in podcasting. Um, and I, I mentioned the idea. They're like, one, there isn't anything like it out there, but right, two, right. why in the world would you want to do it now when there's so much anti-police rhetoric, Yeah, right. you know, going on nationwide, especially with, uh, you know, with, um, 
Uh, well, since Ferguson, essentially, right, right, yeah, right. you know, and I said, I, I said, I, I'd have to argue with you. I think this is the best time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because this podcast reason. Yeah. is just another vehicle to show people that we're just normal people. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, um, ordinary people willing to take extraordinary risks. Right. Right. Just for our community. Right. Um, and, and we don't do it for the money. Right. Yeah, definitely right. not. No. Right. And that's, and I think, you know, so then I, I think one of the other things, like you just said with the big thing is like that we are human and we are, you know, just regular people, you know, doing, you know, doing stuff that people right. want to protect people. And that's why I said earlier, there's the even playing field, like, you know, the, the officer, you know, you know, show him. And I mean, he, he did what he did and he got penalty and he got punished for it just like a bad guy. Right. And that happened, but, the, right. but on a, with the bad guys, this happens on a daily basis that we see and nothing, there's nothing. And it's, and it's, it's, it, I don't want to say that it's worse, but it's, it's, you know, it happens all the time. And, and for me, it's like, where is the outcry of that? Like on a daily right. basis, on a daily basis, you have children dying, you have all this, which is, you know, which is far more of, of a, a problem, a, a, a problematic situation than, you know, the, the, the number of bad cops. And, and just to, to reiterate, there are bad cops and that the, the, they should get punished. And I'm all, and, and, and I agree with all that, but the whole a major, major problem is people killing each other on a daily basis. And that right. doesn't exactly. get the national news. And that's what, and that's what we just, just to show that we're human and let's just get an even playing field. Right. And nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, we, so we, we tell that to everybody here with uh, everything that happened with Chauvin up in Minneapolis. We're like, nobody agreed with that. Right. Uh, Not at all. No, but nationally, but, I mean, nationally, like the, right. the, through the riots and stuff that we were having and right. then all this stuff. I, I wasn't with one cop that goes, hmm, yeah, he was right. Not nobody. No. Not at all. None. Not at all. And, and that's well, you're getting bricks thrown at you. You're exactly. saying that. You're you know all I mean? suffering like for like, his God, bad man, actions. Right. 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 You know, and the, fr- the other frustrating thing for us too is, well, um, it drives me crazy when I hear people talk about systemic racism in law enforcement or right, systemic right. use of force issues right. in law enforcement. Right. When you look at the data, right. there's no data to support that. Right. None. Mm-hmm. You look at Chauvin. Look at Chauvin. They, they say, okay, well, he had, you know, 15 or 18 use of force complaints with him, and they were all from people of color. Well, he works in North Minneapolis. Right. And that's where he's worked his entire career. He's worked in Minneapolis. Right. So the majority of the people that he deals with are people of color in right. high crime areas. Yeah. So it's natural that I'm not excusing him because we uh, we've had uh, media ask us about use of force complaints in our office. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have twenty. I have thirty four officers here, or thirty four deputies. I don't have one use of force complaint documented on anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. We just don't, we don't have them. Right. You know. Right. So right. Um, right. for him to have eighteen, yeah, that's you know, or 15 or 18 or whatever it was. Um, but, but for you to say that it's because of color, right. And it doesn't, it didn't have, it doesn't have anything to do with color. Right. Um, right. so it's just, that part's really frustrating for us. And, and, right. uh, especially what from rural Minnesota, because we're not very diverse here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're probably more offended by that than anybody. Right. And, um, I don't know. It's just, yeah. and, it's and, a frustrating and, deal. Right. So, and like I said, I, and I agree with you and that's why, when I came up, you know, when I talked to these guys about this idea, you know, it was during this whole thing. And, and again, just like you, this is the best time to do it because we do have to get the word out there. We do have to, you know, hit this Absolutely. mission hard. We have to, we have to bridge this gap. And by doing that, we have to tell people what the truth is. We have to show them that we're human just like they are. And we understand right. that they are human with feelings and emotions. That's why we do what we do. Yep. And these guys are, they, they're, they're the same people you sit by in church. They're the same people you sit across the 
room from in the, at the restaurant or, or your kids are playing ball together or, right. or, or, or we're, we're part of the community. We're right. ordinary people that are willing to take extraordinary risks to help keep our communities and our families safe. Right. And, um, and, 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 and without any interest in being rewarded for it, this is just, it's just a yeah. calling. It's what they, they want to do. They right. want to, they, they believe they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves or their, you know, it just uh, frustrates me to no end. Yeah, I get it. And then there's definitely you know, no other job like it. I'm going to tell yeah, you that. For sure. I think that like when you travel the world, I was in the military, you go and like, you, like I've said before, like when you're over there and you're dealing with those things, like these people don't understand freedom. They've never had it. That's right. why we're there right. as the military. But when you're in the United States, these people have been the freest people in the history of mankind, particularly in this day and age. Right. And you know, you, you can make arguments that government overreach is becoming the reality of our day. But the bottom line is, is that you're dealing with pros when you're an American cop. These people understand what their rights and freedoms are. And they know, even though there are some bad cops and bad experiences that the media constantly will perpetually let us know about, because that's what sells. And that's what works in their world is that, you know, despite that, by and large, you could trust a police officer and you really know what his limits are. Right. You know, right. go to other places in the world and like have them define what a police officer is to you. These people, I mean, you'll get such wild descriptions, particularly in the non-Western world, you know, where we've done a lot of our work right. as of late. And and I and I think right now, like you said, that it's best to strike while the iron's hot and to get in a the, these two shows. Hopefully, we'll be forged in more of a fire. You know what I mean? Like to as opposed to anybody can captain a ship when the seas are calm. You know what I mean? We're right. definitely getting in there. It's like, I mean, I hope this sells. I mean, because right. at any time, any one of us can be just shut down and silenced. Yep. Absolutely. You know what I mean? For, just speaking what we think is the truth. Right. No, absolutely. We, uh, you know, I think we just need to, we need to be, we, we, we've been the silent majority for too long. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and we tell that to our community. And, and if you look at our, um, our, uh, our uh, social media with, with my agency, you know, we, we promote, promote, promote. We, we, we're always sharing stories about our officers. We're always sharing the success stories. We're going to own up to it when we, when we make mistakes, but we'll, you know, you know, it, we're, we're human. And, um, and that's, and, and that's part of, that's part of this project just to show people that these are regular people with regular families and, uh, they're just willing to take on, you know, a, certainly a challenging calling, especially nowadays, yeah. uh, for us, for yeah. people, in most cases for people, they don't even know. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's I, fascinating. I mean, they're, they're, our society is fascinated with police officers, but as every show we've had generally have, but they really don't know what we do. No, no. I mean, like, despite all of the movies, television, everything right. like that, people really don't know what we do. So could you talk a little bit, sir, about the content of your show, like how you put it together, what right. you do, how Absolutely. it sounds. So with the, with the podcast, what I'll do is I'll take a look at a story. I'll, I'll, I'll do a public, I do a public data request in Minnesota. I guess other States are different. Uh, certainly other countries are different uh, as to what available data there is for, for an officer shooting, for example. Um, I talked to a, uh, a podcast in the UK last week and he was fascinated by the podcast because he said, we can't, you can't get radio traffic. You can't get telephone traffic over there. None of that's public. Hmm. Um, so he said to hear that on your podcast, he said that was to him, that was super interesting because it puts you there. Right. You know, it right. makes it real. And, yeah. um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look at the officer's bio and their story on, uh, uh, whether it's on a law enforcement memorial site or the national site or ODMP. And I'll reach out to one of the things I want to do with these is I, I want to make sure that the, 
the family is okay with this. Right. The family is to a point where they want to tell the story. And 99% of the time, what I find is these survivor families, all they want to do is tell the story. Right. You know, right. they'll, they'll, they'll tell me that, um, you know, you, when, when my husband or, or father or my brother or my, you know, whoever, whoever it was, when, when my officer was killed, the, it was all the media attention. It was all the, the law enforcement officers coming over and other officers, families coming over food being brought over and, and the, uh, um, planning of the, the, the funeral and the celebration and, and the, all the, all, everything that, that entails that. And then afterwards for two or three weeks, or maybe a little bit longer, you got everybody still coming over. Everybody's still checking on you to make sure you're okay. And, and then it starts to slow down and it stops yeah. and then it gets awkward. It's natural. It's natural for us to, at some point in a crisis like this, it's natural for us at some point to go, God, I, you know, I, I should call her, but you know, I don't, I don't want to bring up something that's going to bring back bad memories or I don't right. want to get her. Right. I don't want to upset her or, or him or, you know, whoever it is. And, um, all they want is that phone call. Right. All they want is somebody to talk about their fallen officer. Cause right. they're, that's their biggest fear is that he or she's going to get forgotten. Right. And the service is going to be forgotten. Right. So the one wife told me, she said the silence after a few weeks after the funeral, she said the silence re-victimized me every day. Hmm. I just wanted somebody to talk about it. Yeah. And, um, and they've never had the full story told. And for most of these families, they've never heard the full story because at the, at the time where that data was available is in, in most cases during the trial. And that's the time where they've completely shut down. Right. Right. So every family I've worked with has learned something from their, about their loved one and about the case that they never knew before, hmm. which is, wow. which has been kind of interesting. I had one, um, one, uh, wife that said she was in tears. She said, I had no idea they did everything they could to help him like that. Yeah. Didn't yeah. know, you know, didn't right. know at the time she's not going to read any reports. She doesn't right. want to hear yeah. it. She don't want to hear about it at the time. Right. You know, right. um, the, uh, grandkids or, or, or kids or grandkids, uh, especially grandkids. Those are super rewarding calls for me because, I'll have them call and say, you know, I, and this is a typical word for these families. It's, it was, it's taboo talking about dad or it's, it was taboo talking about grandpa. You just didn't talk about what happened. Right. So we just didn't do it. Yeah. And grandkids telling me that, you know, I, I never, I never knew the story because they never, and I, when I'd asked, they just, just not something you talk yeah. about. <laughs> now that we know the whole story, he says, now we're sharing it with everybody because grandpa was a hero. Right. And we, we want, yeah, we want people to, to hear this story. story. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's great. To, sir, that, that is like, that was so a revelation. Cool. I had not ever. Oh, so cool. Really or some of these, that, some know? of these older officers that uh, have been on these stories who have reconnected with the officers who are at the scene, they're, they're getting back together for coffee again or a beer or whatever. And, and, uh, or, or the, one of them, the, uh, from Itasca County, Robert, the Robert Lawson story, they were talking about uh, uh, family members who, family members who were even kind of estranged from the fallen officer's family just because it was awkward. Yeah. And now right. come back yeah. because now they know the whole story. You know, of course, the rumor mill. You got the rumor mill, that which is ter- which is terrible anytime, right. Right. especially right. with cop yeah. stories. And when right. the facts aren't out there, you just don't know. It's filled with negativity, negativity exactly. and yeah. falsehoods. And so, so what I'll do is I'll I'll, t- I'll talk to the families, and then I'll uh, while I'm doing that, I'm also doing a public data request 
to the agency and to the state and to the Department of Corrections if the the suspect is still alive. And I'll pull every I'll have I'll pull every report, <clears throat> every narrative report, every photo, every uh, any audio, any radio traffic, any telephone calls, nine one one calls related, um, and then the records from the from the Department of Corrections on the the suspect and where where he or she's at. Um, the story is about the officer. It's not the suspect, but people want to know what happened to him. Yeah, right. Um, you know, so you, so you, you know, I don't want to leave that. I don't want to leave that open ended in the story. And and then what I do is I start researching the era. Um, in the in the beginning of these stories, you'll you'll get. I'll give you little sound bites from that era to kind of give you an idea of to set the tone as to what what time or what era we're in. Right. Yeah. right and then right, right. and then I'll introduce you to the community and give you kind of a flavor of what the community's like and and what makes it buzz and and then I'll introduce you to the family and the officer to where you feel like you kind of have a relationship that you know you you're you, you know what it's 1977 and I know I'm comfortable with I know these I know the the agency I kind of get an idea of the chemistry there um the officer and his family and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through exactly what happened to that officer when we lost him and I'm going to recreate that incident wow. and, uh, and it's raw. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine uh, I bet. it's, it's raw and it's real. And, uh, with the help of the, the family who were left behind and help of officers who were there, uh, radio and telephone traffic when that's available. Um, and, 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 and I, you just paint the whole story. And it's, essentially I put you through you losing this officer, but, but as, knowing him as a person, right. Right. Not just as a cop, yeah, right, yeah. Right. right, you know, and um, and they're they're powerful stories, and I, you know, when I first started doing it, I, my intentions initially were, I was, we have thirty four fallen officers in southeast Minnesota, four of them are from my county, and I thought, well, I'm I'm going to do, I want to do the thirty four, um, just to honor them and to be able to tell their story, sure, and it's kind of ex, it's expanded from there to I've helped on three different parole hearings, um, doing the podcasts for the fallen officers highlighting the also highlighting the suspect and allowing those agencies to use that podcast to educate their community, to encourage them to send letters to the department of corrections. saying oh, he, wow. he needs oh, to stay yeah. in jail. Right? Yeah. Right. And uh, um, we're at a hundred percent so far. We haven't, we've uh, the last one we helped with was a Winona County deputy who was killed John Schneider. And they said that uh, my understanding was that was the, the most response they've had from the public on any parole hearing case right. um which is pretty cool yeah that's great so, to get that kind of support um, it is so then i i have one that i'm working on right now which which kind of so i went from the just southeast minnesota to okay now i'm kind of all over the state and i'm doing some different things and then the um then i did a survivor story where i thought <laughs> some there were some suggestions on you know it'd, it'd, be, it'd be cool to have a survivor story to, to be able to hear to have at least once where we hear the officer, you know, and you right. get that officer side of the story. Yeah. And I just right. did that one with Dustin Riker. And that's a, that's a cool story. Um, and then now I'm working on a uh, officer down. This one's going to be, this one's is, is a tough one to work through. It's, it's an officer down by suicide. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. And it's an officer that I knew personally. Um, and I grew up with his wife. And it was 2019, so it's not that long ago. Right. Um, and right. and they and he worked. He was a sergeant up in the metro. And um, um, it's a tough story, but it's a for me with that one. And and his wife feels the same way. Is 
that cops are under more stress now than they've ever been before. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Scrutiny is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We talked so. earlier about performing and being a performer. And I tell that to people coming in the job all the time. Now you're going to be on TV more than people that work in the movie industry. Right. I mean, you're going to absolutely. be on video yeah. and on microphone. And if you are not comfortable with being that way in front of people, everything we're doing is a performance. It's a performance yep. in court. It's yep. a performance for everything. Yep. And like you said, the scrutiny is unreal. I mean, yeah. if any other profession had it, like if we imagine putting the like cameras on teachers and uh, like doing this, right. people would be like, I'm not doing never that. Do that. I mean, we'd never do it. doctors. No. You know, all these people that are in these high profile yeah. jobs, get sued. they'd never right. do it. Right. <laughs> right. Over 200 and what is it? 225 or 250 malpractice deaths a year with doctors. We don't see that. Thousand. Yeah. 200,000. 250,000. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but the, the, uh, it's the, the, the podcast is cool because it, it, uh, it allows that survivor family to, to one, to learn the whole story um, to, and, and to be able to share that story and have something that, that they can share with generations. And yeah. it's, it's absolutely factual. Everything's done by the reports. Um, some of the older officers, I love talking with the older, oh, the older cops. Cause they, they'll sit and talk to me for two hours. On, <laughs> right. On, right. On, you know how things run yeah. and I'll have their You're reports like, this in front is 60 of me. Minutes, 30 bro, years ago. 60 minutes. Right. 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 I'll have their report in front of me and, you know, ask them questions. And, and when they're, when they remember things a little bit differently, I I'll say, well, this is what you put in your report. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. That's, that's what it was. And, you know, just making sure it's a hundred percent accurate and, uh, and real and raw and, uh, and and just to show that these guys are heroes. And, and Hmm. Sheriff, I'm curious. Um, have you ever had any families from doing this families that have of officers, even if they're not from the same area or anything like that, that have, connected through their experiences that they've had and become, you know, friends yeah. or connected yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, so the, the survivor families are, are nationwide. We're very, very good at burying our cops, our dead cops. We're very good at celebrating their service and burying them. Historically, we've not been very good at continuing to support their survivor families. Right. We've just not been good at it. Right. right. And, uh, they, they need, you know, need, they need the support, um, certainly after the fact more than ever, right. mm-hmm. um, because there it's not only are they losing their officer, but to them, they feel like they're losing a family, right. you know, and, yeah, and we all agent. know that risk that we run out there doing this sure. job. We know the risk that right. we do every day doing this job and we don't prepare well enough, maybe sometimes oh, for the know. reality of, Oh my gosh, what happens to the people that are left behind? Right. Something terrible right. happens. Right. What happens to the people that are left behind? We say all the time in training, you guys, death is only easy for the dead. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's so hard on the rest of us and we don't prepare for it. I mean, right. we, we, it's inevitable, right. like mm-hmm. even in real world, but in our work, the stakes are that much higher. Now, not to put you on the spot, Sheriff, yeah. Yeah. but um, you're a sheriff, so you're used he to will. put on the spot. He will. <laughs> Do you have any useful content that you could provide for us that maybe our listeners could listen to to yeah, draw them over to you? I've got, uh, there's a bunch of, I mean, we've done 22 stories now. And, um, so kind of an interesting side note on these stories, my production from the, from start to finish, from the research to the interviews, to the pre-production post-production, I'm, I run, it, it's taking an hour to an hour and a half per finished minute. Wow. wow. So if I have a, um, like the, the Robert, I need, I need Lawson. a calculator. Hold on. Yeah. I know. I know. The Robert Lawson story, I, I probably had 90 hours into that. Wow. 
Jeez. Well, I also have another job. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Kind of. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Time is a little tough. Um, <laughs> but I, but I want, I want them right. You know, I want to do them Absolutely. right. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to make sure that there's a production value that keeps your attention. Um, so you learn the whole story. Right. And, um, but it's also an honor for that individual. Absolutely. I mean, like, how would you not yeah, want Because they, you know, they cherish it. And this isn't oh, a TikTok video. This right. is like, exactly. literally, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So this, um, here, this is a, uh, just a sound piece from, uh, the Sean Schneider story. He was killed. Uh, it was, t- this was the 10th anniversary this year in uh, Lake City, Minnesota. Let me play this. Officer Kevin Dather was working as the school resource officer that day. He was in plain clothes and was in the area when the call came out. He was badge 209. When the call came out, I was literally three houses from the location of the call. And by the time I advised that I would assist Sean in that, and I could see the red lights coming at me, which meant it was Sean. On any priority call like this, especially calls with a weapon, neighboring agencies monitoring radio traffic will start heading that way until they hear the officers are okay. Detective Kurt Struy was one of those neighbors on his way from Wabasha County. I was in Wabasha at the Wabasha County Sheriff's Office, and I, I heard the call came out with a with a man with a gun and a. So Kevin. I'll uh, just sit in here quick. Kevin was was Sean's partner. Kevin was at the shooting when Sean got killed. Oh, jeez. The rest of these guys all responded to help. You know, it's early morning. You're going, all right, uh, she's not in high school. We knew she was dating an older individual. And so we're walking along, and you're cautious, and we're looking around the area, you know, to make sure. Just checking your soundings, I guess, is more like it, you know, just making sure that somebody didn't come out of the house and stand there going to set us up or whatever. When Sean and Kevin approached the front of the house, Silty, who they could see inside, ran towards the back of the house. And we're walking, and we, we approached the house. Sean knocks, and I can remember uh, he's got a gun. He's going out the back. I go around, whole thing's fenced in, so I run all the way around the garage, come to a back corner, kind of the opposite corner of where the front door was. Silty ran to the back of the house, and he came out the back door armed with a handgun. When he first started coming out, I got on the radio, and I said, I got him coming out the back door with the gun. I got him here. He's got the gun in his hand. 200 or 201. Can you guys copy? We got a man inside of the gun. 618 West Line. And to this day, I can see he comes walking out, never looks up. I don't know if he's talking to himself, what the deal is, when he comes out the back door of the porch. I let him get away from the house. I could see the gun. He doesn't look up, and I, of course, drew down on him, and I said, please drop the gun. And he barely glanced at me, looks back down, turns around, walks right back in the house, doesn't raise his gun. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a... Right. Just a... Hold on, let me turn this off. It Hmm. just kind of gives you kind of an idea of what... Uh, that was Kevin Dather. He, yeah, the guy, um, he, he's such a good guy. He, he's kind of, he's your old school cop that, that, uh, right. you know, was, was the, the, the tough guy, um, you know, stuff doesn't bother me. You know, this is just another call. And, and, uh, it ended up the cumulative PTSD ended up taking him, um, away from this career. And hmm. he talks about that. It's super powerful. He talks yeah. about that in the story. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. So what, so what I'll do is th- that one was a tough one for me because I was in my office 
with uh, another investigator and we were listening on our task force radios and we were listening to this happen. Oh, really? Um, And, uh, you know, we knew several of the people there. It was about an hour away from us. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was in December, you know, it's around Christmas time and, and, uh, boy, that was a tough time for everybody here. Yeah. Um, but, but it, it, it just goes to show when, when, as, as we go through these stories, uh, with all the, with the different officers, with the officer, the officer down with their families, you know, we just, we show that they're just real people and, right. uh, you know, just, uh, um, just amazing, amazing. They're, they're true heroes in our community. Right. Well, yeah. you can tell that you're sure if you're definitely still moved by it, even though you're doing this stuff every single day, it's not turned into a grind for you because it's obviously still touching you emotionally. Right. I mean, which just shows how powerful that stuff is to not just cops, but people that understand cops, know cops, live with cops, want to learn more about whatever. So, again, we can't thank you enough no, thank for coming so on and talking yeah. about this stuff. And we hope that we provide you some opportunity to get some additional listeners. Yeah. And yeah. maybe you can take that thing nationwide. It's easy for me to say that, sir, because right. that's, you know, like I said, what is it, an hour for every minute you got to do production? You <laughs> yeah. know, maybe. Hour to hour and a half. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. right. Um, so the next outer state, I do have an outer state story coming up, another survivor story from uh, Arizona, Department of uh, Public Safety, a state trooper there. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's going to be a cool story too. A lot of a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming up. So well, where appreciate could, it, man. Appreciate it. Go where ahead, can everybody? Sure. Yeah, where can everybody get your podcast, uh, web page, Insta, Facebook, yep. whatever you got? Yep. So if you're if you if you're new to podcasting, like I am, I never listened to a podcast before this. Believe it or not, um, everything I listen to is music. Um, so my kids thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if the, the website is officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. That's the website. So you can go there and you can download them there. If you don't have a favorite app that you use to get podcasts, otherwise it's on every major uh, podcast platform out there. Um, you just, just search officer down Memorial podcast. You'll find them on the website. The, the, there's a lot of pictures and a lot more data about the, about the cases. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool to share that, but uh, you can, you can find it anywhere. And, you know, we just encourage people to, 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 to look it up, listen to it. Certainly if you're on Apple, you know, make sure you, you give us a rating and a, and yeah, shout out and, and um, you know, we just trying to get his, get in front of as many people as we can. That's Chris has got mission. that tattooed on his abdomen. Leave us a rating and a review. It's actually I, a tramp I, I, I stamp. I ended up funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> and on the back is a reverse just in case I'm walking away. And you're gonna be here, here. <laughs> so like, Pull him over so we can read the outro. <laughs> it's actually a tattoo of a post-it note with the instructions on the post-it note. Stop recording. Hit recording. What did you do with the corners there? <laughs> that coloring hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I should have gone with oh. yellow. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Sheriff. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Awesome, for Thanks for everything you do. Support, guys. Thank you. Please, uh, please go give the uh, the Sheriff podcast a listen. It's uh, it's truly powerful. And for our little venue, wherever you listen to your podcast, please download it. Leave a rating or review. It's Three Cops Talk. Number three, Cops Talk. And if you guys have questions or concerns. Uh, suggestions for shows please email three cops talk at gmail.com this is number three cops talk at gmail.com and then the website's the same uh three cops talk.com thank you so much sheriff please be safe keep thank the you, faith take care. a great mission too. thank you guys hey everyone we've got some powerful fallen hero stories in the works from minnesota ohio arizona and more so make sure you subscribe to the podcast 
Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're an Apple listener, we'd love to get a review. And if you're a Blue Survivor family and would like us to share your Fallen Heroes story, we'd love to hear from you too. You can reach out to us on the website at www.officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. Finally, we're always interested in your feedback and suggestions on how we can make this show even better. Until next time, I'm Sheriff Scott Rose. Thanks for listening.